Welcome to Sports Lounge Live, a weekly talk show covering baseball. I don't believe what I just saw. Basketball. Believe in Cleveland. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Football. Got it at the five and into the end zone. Touchdown. Hockey. NASCAR. Green flag waves again at the World Center of Racing. Plus the latest sports news, both pro and college. Hear past talk shows on your phone by calling the conversation station or as a podcast on your iPhone, Victor Stream, or computer. Visit legendoldies.com for links to automatically connect via your computer or iPhone. Call the sports aficionados at area code 646-876-9923 and enter the PIN 287-723. 4600 followed by the pound key twice. And now, your hosts, Chris Devon, Perry Lester, Sean Platts, Robert Herrick, and Bill Sparks. Finally, Robert, you finally got your recognition. Finally, after a year or two, hey, you know. Oh, only about a year, but it's okay. Hey. You, fi- you finally uh, sent the check it. to the right place. I feel right. He, finally, he finally did. I got a little bit of that stimulus check. <laughs> anyway. And congratulations to Marty. He did an outstanding job on yeah, that. Doug. 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 DJ Doug. DJ Doug put it together, too. And, uh, yeah, great. Great stuff. Uh, although a couple yeah. of those highlights I could do without. <laughs> Well, hey, you know what we gave we gave them the we gave the awards on Thursday on All Things Radio before we heard it. They definitely we're not taking those awards back. No, no, no. they can have great them. great job by them. Okay, well, uh, yes. Bill, why don't you uh, make your make a little announcement and then I can uh, pick up when we get going here. All right, uh, just a real quick one for Legend listeners or anybody interested in kind of what we do. Check us out Friday morning for a 15th anniversary party beginning at 9 a.m. Eastern. There's going to be some huge announcement concerning formats. Oh, my. Formats. Anyway, be sure to check us out at 9 a.m. Does that mean Jenny has to make the announcement? Can it be done? Is there a union here where she has to do all the format changes? There's formats. Well, you know, Chris, that is kind of true. Whenever there's going to be a format change on the legend, Jenny has to announce it. Yeah. And not only, not only that, it has to go into Jeff's news. That's right. And I will not. I will not be jumping out of a cake for the anniversary. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, okay. No. Well, I, I'm planning. I'm planning to be there. I'm taking a day off to do this, so it should be. It should be fun. And uh, anyway, this is uh, show number ninety-two. This Good. is five ten twenty. And I, the reason I say it that way, this is one of those things. And I just thought of this this morning. Every four years, we have one of these, like four, eight, sixteen, three, you know, six, twelve. We have one where you have the year twice as much, you know, as you go along. So five. 10, 20, and uh, you don't. You only get those in the leap years. I think the last one we'll have is 12, 24, 48, and if we're all around for that one, we'll, we'll definitely get, get awards. Yes, but anyway, so, so anyhow, uh, welcome everybody to show number 92 on this uh, Sunday night. Happy Mother's Day to those who, um, and whether you got to see your mother or uh, maybe got in touch with your mother or did something, uh, did something fun. I hope you did, because uh, it's a crazy Mother's Day, just like all the other holidays we've had since March, but do the best we can here. So, and, if you haven't, and if you haven't done it, Chris, the day is not over, folks. So if you That's haven't right. done it, do yeah. it. by do it. Go ahead and do it. That's right. And so I'll, anyhow, so we've got um, a, a pretty uh, good agenda here. We've got our odds and ends, which is just sort of the current events that are going on. We're going to uh, then uh, play you a song. 
that Terry Bradshaw did. It's quarantine crazy. If you haven't heard it, one of the many quarantines, there's a lot of good COVID-19 songs that have come out, a lot of fun ones and stuff. And this is a good one. And he's, he's good. He's a good singer, uh, Terry Bradshaw. Then we're going to do the rundown a few. We only had a few deaths, like three, well, four. If you, there's one we don't have any information on, but we do, we will acknowledge it. Then we're going to go through the Kentucky Derby winners. We got started uh, on, but we had to stop. We got through on May 1st. We're going to start with May 2nd, the one since World War II, just to tell you what days they won the Derby. And then we'll do the things uh, the, in history. And uh, I think that's everything. Is that everything? Uh, was there anything else? I think you got it. We'll talk about the NFL. And, and uh, the oh, Don yeah, well, Shula special. Yeah, we got it all. Yeah, I had yeah, right. it is, but... So the, yeah. I'm going to start yeah. with... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Bill was trying to say something. Oh, we're going to do the Don Shula special. Did you mention that? And Don Shula, well, when, yeah. yes, when when his death, before we uh, do that, uh, we will. Uh, I will uh, mention Don Shula had died, and then Bill will play a little documentary, then we'll talk about him some more. So we'll do it that way when we get there. Okay, so Sean, go ahead and do your thing. Uh, well, first of all, like we also said, uh, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Uh, remember, if if you have had a little disagreement with your mother, it's not too late to call her and make up. What a, what a better day to do it than Mother's Day. You know, like I said, I called my mom. I called my mom. She was on her way to my sister's. So, you know, hey, check it out. And, you know, go make up with her. Yeah, make up with her. Call her. Don't forget her because you only have one mom. You never know when they're going to be gone. Your mom, your dad, you never know. You never know. But anyway, uh, like Marty so eloquently said, you can call us up, 646-876-9923, and enter 287-723-4600. Hit the pound key twice. Uh, star 9 raises your hand if you're on the phone. Alt-Y on the computer. More key on your smartphone. If you want to leave us a feedback and you don't want to call us live, 800-693-0595. Option two is where you leave that. Say it is for Sports Lines Live. And if you want to email, yes, we have an email address. Sports Lounge at allthingsradio.net. That's Sports Lounge at allthingsradio.net. Yes, we are high-tech. We're there, folks. We're we're up. We're in the big leagues now. But speaking of the big leagues, let's get into our odds and ends. Okay. And the first thing I just want to um, mention today, I was talking. I called to wish my daughter a happy Mother's Day because, of course, I've got grandchildren and wanted to do that. And she works for the University of Pittsburgh, and she was saying that. I said, well, so what kind of scenarios are you getting as far as uh, what you guys are going to do about starting back? He, she said, there's three scenarios. There's one where everybody comes back, you know, in the, the end of August like they're supposed to. One where some of the people come back, they make classes smaller, they do some of that, or they just stay online for the whole semester. So, in other words, they haven't decided anything and they're preparing for all three. So what this brings us to is college football because what we're, we've been saying is, and what we're hearing is they don't want to start college football unless everybody's back. I don't think there's any way that's going to happen, that everybody's going to decide to be back. We don't even know where the hot spots might be or what might happen between now and, and you know, the end of the year. Well, where, you know, you could the places that were, were struggling two months ago might be fine. The places that were fine before may be struggling or vice versa. So I think it's really uh, up in the air as to what they're going to do. So what are the scenarios on the table now for uh, college football that you guys? Have been basically, they're, that you can start it in September as scheduled, 
or you can start it in November, which and you just play kind of a shortened season, or you go like January, February, something like that. I would think if they don't start it in September and they do not want to play without fans, let's get that out of the way. The, the colleges, they're a lot of their revenue, unlike the pros, they do come from fans. So and not just, I would think and the not most likely, I would think the most likely scenario is if you don't start in September, it'll be in after New Year's. Yeah. Or the other plan that they came out with, this is kind of an interesting plan. You play your conference games and you play one regional non-conference game. Because mm-hmm. even if, let's say, confer- uh, classes start up in the fall, but let's say they're not allowed on campus till August, they need to get in shape, those players do. So they couldn't start Labor Day weekend even if they're not allowed on so it would be one of the – if that would, scenario were to happen, let's say they start October, November, they play that one regional game, and already the, if that scenario happens, the Pac-12 and the Mountain West have kind of partnered up. And then the other conferences would deal with the other four minor conferences. Or let's say if you had a regional game like Texas-LSU, we use that as an example. Right. You want to go ahead and play Texas-LSU because – they're only about three, uh, 400 miles apart. Go at you know 450. You know, go ahead and play that, or you know whatever. Or if you want to play, it would just change. Like you would have okay, Utah beat Utah, Utah State, or you Utah BYU, which is a normal rivalry yeah. anyway. Right. Well, BYU is those kind of games. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Probably, games I, probably Iowa, Iowa State. Yep. BC, yeah, those UMass, still happen. Yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Those, yep. those would still happen. But like the Pac-12 Mountain West have already said, if they have to do this 10-game deal, those two have already matched up. Sunbelt and Conference USA both said they will work with uh, SEC and Big 12. The MAC has said they will work with the uh, Big 10. The AAC, they're just kind of going because they're all over the country. So right. them and the ACC are just kind of, Hey, whoever we can find, whatever we got yeah, going sure. on, but that would be if they have the ten games, the ten game schedule. And <clears throat> yeah, okay. Basically, it's looking like something like uh, the spring is probably going to happen because a lot of schools, yes, have opened up, but right now you got California. California is saying nothing till the first of the year, but you never know. That could change. Like we well, had, and, uh, and then yeah. you've had and then you've had things such as the Illinois governor, I guess, this weekend, J.B. Pritzker, Pritzker said Pritzker. he doesn't believe there will be any professional sports or anything like that this year. But then, of course, we had uh, the Chicago mayor, uh, Lori Lightfoot, saying a week or so ago that she could envision there being fans by the end of the summer. Speaking right. of fans, however... We yeah. have we have a fan. Go ahead, Jerry. Okay. Uh, the other night, yeah, along the same lines, the other night I was watching, of course, the news at 11 o'clock, and uh, Bob Pompiani on KDK TV was saying, uh, he's a sports director, you folks don't know who he is, I was saying that um, there's a possibility of a pit at the very least when they play co- if they if college football goes, we'll just play ACC opponents right that's a, that's a yeah. scenario that's one of them. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's it's all 
you know, everybody, again, like anything else we say here, it, it's all subject to change without notice. And as we say, uh, where, you know, people will say glibly, well, they won't be able to play in New York. Well, New York is further along the curve than Georgia, let's say, because Georgia's, you know, may, may have a spike later because of opening up. So you don't really know. You don't you really don't know anything about that. So stuff, anything, you know? anything, folks, that we are saying. This is just what we are hearing. Unless we say this is a, official right. and the only thing that we know of to be official so far is NASCAR. So until we get to NASCAR, we're just yeah. telling you what we've heard. And UFC. And UFC. And, UFC, and UFC, night. that's correct. The UFC had a card last night. They have some Wednesday and they have some Saturday. And NASCAR. Now, and, I heard just a little about the know. UFC. There was one, one uh, fighter who tested positive and they had to send him home and put him in quarantine. Apparently, he hadn't followed the procedures, as I understand it, that they had outlined for people what he was supposed to do. And that's why, you know, one of the one of the things. Plus, what I also heard, this was on CBS uh, Sports Radio today, that they were saying that the people, they some were masked, some were not. I mean, it was one of these things where if, if you're showing the example of how to run a workplace or do, you know, let's get back to work, but let's social distance and let's uh, take care of each other, uh, they weren't doing it, basically. So that's not a good sign. Yeah. I don't know about the other sports, but that's what happened with that, apparently. Well, and, and also uh, they had a player and uh, they had a fighter announce his retirement after he won, after he won last night also. I can't remember his name. but Okay. Uh, but they're having, fi- they're having fights uh, next Sunday. NASCAR returns as we mm-hmm. in Darlington, Darlington for the 400. Yep. And then of it's course they five, have it's 500, Sean, 500. No, it's a 400. No, the oh, first okay. one's Darlington. Yeah, the, the 400 Coca-Cola. on Sunday. Yeah, yeah the, the 400. Hold on, 400 on Sunday. The Xfinity on Tuesday. A 500 on Wednesday. Then Charlotte is the Coca-Cola 600 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Truck race on Monday. Xfinity on Tuesday, and then the uh, and this is 24th through the 27th, by the way. The, and then a 500 mile race on Wednesday. So because Dar- Darlington is always a 500 mile race, that's why I said. Well, they're doing a 400. They're doing a 400 at first. Okay. And they're interesting. Interestingly enough, I heard an interview with uh, Dave Moody, who I believe works for uh, the Motor Man's Racing Network, yeah. and uh, he was saying that. When they hit the track for the first time on Sunday, they will not have any practice. And he said, normally it's a four-day no deal when you no go to it. But he said, right. there's no practicing and no qualifying. So he said, who knows what you're going to see coming yeah. right and out that's of the why shoot. They're doing a four, that's why they're doing the 400 on Sunday and a 500 on Wednesday. Oh, okay. That's why they're doing right. that. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly why they're doing that. Also, we do have golf, golf on the 24th. Uh, oh yes, the the, Peyton, the big Peyton, match. Peyton the big Manning, match. Peyton Manning and Phil are no wait. Is it? Yes. Tigers? Yeah, oh, Peyton. is this the team? Yeah. What are the actual teams? Who's who's uh, on whose team? I the, believe it's Tiger Peyton, and Tom I Brady. And them. I believe it's Tiger and Tom Brady and Peyton and Phil. I think. Okay. Yes, and it's for charity. It's on TNT. Uh, I believe it's three p.m. Eastern on the twenty fourth. Three p.m. Eastern. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, so we did have a little. Yeah, we did have a little news got- from the NFL, a couple of news events we had. And, uh, Sean, I've got them written down, but if you want to go through, we had the schedule come out for the NFL. And this is basically what they've done, as I understand it, is they've got a couple of weeks there where they can either move them to the end. if they, In other words, if they don't start on September uh, 10th, 
which is what they're planned to do, they've got a little leeway where they could start a couple weeks later and they've all agreed they'd play a couple of less games or move a couple of weeks to the end of the season and have the well, Super Bowl they, later. Yeah, what they would do, what they would do, anything up until if they have to start on week four or five, what they would do is they would start at whatever week the schedule is and just play those first three or four games at the end. What I understand is they're going to start with the week one schedule, whatever week they start on. So let's say they started October 1st, uh, you know, October, uh, September, uh, yeah, October 1st would be Thursday. If they started then, they'd use the week one schedule for that week, and then they'd uh, put the other weeks that they skipped at the end. That's what I understood. That is correct, Chris. I heard the same thing. Yeah. Okay, so the week one schedule. So, Sean, why don't you talk a little bit about, do you have those week one, uh, some of the highlights uh, yes, of the week one okay. schedule? Week, week one, week one. So our, some of the big highlights of week one, I don't have the entire schedule in front of me, obviously, right. but week one, Houston goes to Kansas City to open on September 10th. The big Fox Sunday afternoon, America's Game of the Week, New Orleans, Tampa Bay. So Drew Brees and then Tom Brady. Yes. Yeah. Sunday night, if fans are allowed or whatever, Dallas will play against the Rams. Then Monday night, doubleheader, Baltimore-Pittsburgh and Tennessee-Denver. No, I thought it was Pittsburgh and the Giants. Pittsburgh and Giants. Pittsburgh and Giants. I'm sorry, Baltimore-Pittsburgh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Pittsburgh and Giants, Tennessee-Denver, Thanksgiving, which is what I'm looking at. Thanksgiving week, Houston-Detroit, Washington-Dallas, Baltimore-Pittsburgh. Right. Christmas Day, Friday, which, yes, they have played one Christmas game before, only on a, on a Friday. They have yep. played one other Christmas game, but the NBA wasn't doing all what they were doing in 2009. This one, of course, Minnesota and New Orleans. So those are your highlight games. Uh, New England is on prime time five times. Yep. Surprisingly, with yeah, one of the yeah, games on yeah. the first week, just to get the Patriots game in there, is actually going to be interesting to uh, perhaps to Auburn and Alabama fans because Jared Stidham may be going up against uh, Tua. That's the first game. Yeah, I mean, right. we don't know who's going to start or yeah. what, but that's that's a possibility. Now, now that's why they would start it with that Week One schedule, no matter what, because they want that Houston Kansas City game to open up. Right. Right. That's yeah. why they would. Yeah, speaking they, of they uh, speaking of the tongue of Ialoas, um. Tua's brother, whose name I believe is Tunga, oh, good. is uh, in the transfer portal, so he is leaving Alabama. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Don't know where he's yes, going, he though, right? We don't know where he's going, but he is tr- he is in the but, transfer portal. Okay. okay. But they want week one. Yeah, they do want week one. You are correct because they want Kansas City to have that first game at home to get right. the rain. And whatever and, Thursday night that is. So when they start, it'll yeah. start Thursday night in Kansas City, October 1st, September right. 10th. Whatever, something like that. Yes. Then and they are another, and now, unlike the colleges, they are willing to play without fans because a lot of their revenue, like we've discussed in the past with baseball, a lot of their revenue is TV. Some of it is fans, right. yes, but they are willing to play without fans if they need to. Right. Another thing and too also, is on on the Saturdays. Remember that there could be flex. We mentioned it last week. If there's no college football in the you know in the fall, which is uh, fairly likely. They could move a game or two into Saturdays, let's say 4.30 and 8 p.m. or something like that. Take two of those games from these weeks, any of these weeks, and move them into the Saturday uh, And I do, yeah. I do know, Chris, that on December 19th and December 26th, there will be Saturday games. That's right. Well, yeah, that would be normally what, what you would do anyway. 
Yeah, and, that's uh, what they were doing. We're talking like in October, September, in September, October, October. Yeah, yeah, they would they, move. They can take games and move them. You know, they'll 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 try to notify people a couple weeks ahead, like they do for a you know Sunday night game or whatever. They they could just take a game, uh, you know, just randomly and move some of those games, even from game one. They wouldn't move those big national ones that Sean mentioned, and they wouldn't move those Thanksgiving Day games uh, that everybody will be prepared no. for. But they could take any of the other games and move them to Saturday. They could even have three games on Saturday, one four thirty and eight o'clock if they wanted to. And yep. they may move some of these games they may be thinking about flexing, but they're like, Oh, do we want to leave this? You know, some of those they could say, Hey, put these we'll put these in the national showcase games on Saturday. Say some of these second or third tier games that look like they're gonna be a big matchup, they could do some of those. Right. And they'll have the flexibility to do it two or three weeks ahead. So if they see that, let's say, Buffalo and, uh, you know, whoever is a bigger game than they thought it was going to be, they could take that and move it because, you know, they'll have some choices to you know, the level of game that it turned into, you know, something like that. So right. the, another thing they did was they did away with the challenge of for pass interference, Thank which was God. really a slippery slope. Because again, what they were doing was they were saying, "Okay, we're gonna," you know, it was they were the first time they were interfering with a judgment call and getting into a judgment call, and that's where you really run into ran into problems. So, and only about ten percent, I think it got up maybe as high between five and ten percent were ever overturned. I know the yeah. first twenty five were not, and then they started when that came out. Then they started to overturn a very few, but it was ridiculous. It was really kind of a waste of time. It wasn't happening, you know. So, Perry, you're usually our baseball person, and you usually before, are up- Before we do the baseball, Sean, okay. I don't believe there's a lot to report on this, Sean, but is there anything with the NBA? I don't believe there's, if anything, not much. Uh, nothing, nothing, really, nothing really new. The only thing is Mark Cuban is saying that he will not, even, even though Texas gyms are allowed to open up on the 18th, he will not allow his players until he knows that there's adequate testing. Now, how many teams are currently open for workouts? Uh, Orlando, look, right now, legally, Orlando, the Lakers, and Clippers, under the way it's going, well, and Cleveland, well, Cleveland and Portland, Orlando are allowed, the Lakers and Clippers are some sort of uh, deal that they could, but they can't, even though gyms aren't, there's some sort of way that they could be allowed to, but right now, right now, Cleveland, Portland, Orlando, the gyms are is it actually happening or is it just allowed at this point? It's just allowed. It's just allowed. It's just allowed. Okay. Now, and remember, and these... it's no more, no more than four people at a time. Right. Coaches cannot be there. Uh, there's a bunch of other rules. Mm-hmm. Right? So. Now, the only other thing that I have heard with the NBA is this: is apparently the owners are really not pushing very hard to resume the season. So, what what that says for going forward, we don't know. Okay. And, no, and the other thing I heard was also here's the reason why the commissioner is pushing for this, and this goes back to TV, and this came from Craig right. Way, friend of the friend of the show, Craig Way. We'll, we'll go right. ahead. And, well, okay. we'll call it friend of the show, Craig Way. He listens to the podcast. He doesn't listen live. He listens to the podcast. But a big part of it is these regional sports networks. They generally, with the NBA, the NHL, they have deals for about 70 games. And that even includes first or second round, you know, usually first round playoff games, not, not nothing after the first round. So the way some of them have it, these uh, these games that, that were canceled, they could just say, you know what, we're going to roll payment over 
until next year. So you know, you're you're not getting paid till we'll just roll it over. We'll combine it next year, and they may not get whatever. But then also the regional sports networks, the cable companies could come back to them and say, wait a minute, you shortchanged us, you're part of this, you owe us money. And remember, who just bought the 21 regional Fox Sports Networks and just started a regional network in Chicago? And who was Sinclair. the biggest enemy of the kid? Yep. Biggest enemy of the cable companies, Sinclair. <laughs> okay. So, Robert, I I'm assuming you're going to say no. We've really heard nothing new from the NHL either. Uh, no, uh, the the latest rumor I've heard that uh, if uh, when they come back, they're, they're talking about a 24 team style NCAA type uh, format for the NHL playoffs. So, okay. but that now, that's the last rumor I've heard, and that was that's supposed to start in July if that happens. Okay. So there'd be like now, four buys and five through twelve, five twelve like that. That's right, something like that, yeah. Right. Now, okay. as far as as far as far baseball goes, let me tell you the latest, yeah. as I've compiled the notes on it, what they would like to do, they're going to present this to the union probably within the next couple of days. Uh, they would like spring training to start in your home ballpark about the 10th of June. To get ready for the season, you're going to play inter-squad games, basically, and then it's either July 1st or July 4th is when the season would begin. Here's the problem that they're running into, though. The players are saying that in the deal that they reached on service time and all that, that they made a deal that they would get paid for the amount of games played. So if you get if you play 81 games, they get paid for 81 games. The owners would like them to take more of a pay cut. I don't expect the union is going to agree to that. So no. then we're going to have to find out what the owners decide to do. What are they? Do they want to play play a season, or are they going to stand on the sword and just say, "Well, then forget it"? Well, one of the things that they were talking about on CBS Sports Radio is after all this, and after you know, especially them, because they have been rumoring this and rumoring that, and you know, Texas, Arizona, Florida, you know, the old ballparks, fans, no fans, every every possible combination, seven inning games, all the things that we've heard. If they don't play. After all this, unless, you know, obviously if there's like a humongous spike and everybody is shut down again, that's fine if we go back to where we are now. But if they if things start to open and basically go smoothly and they don't play, they're going to be like, okay, they're now the number three sport. They'll be down, uh, you know, people will be so mad at them because they're going to see it as billionaires fighting billionaires. Now, I mean, there are some exceptions. I mean, I could see a guy like uh, Trey Mancini of the Orioles who had colon cancer and he just had a tumor removed. I he would clearly be at high risk. You know, I could understand him or, you know, anybody who's dealt with, say, a cancer situation or something like that. But if you're healthy and all that, I would think you'd you'd want to get rolling. Well, sure, yeah. but the thing is, you know, these guys, and, and, and you know, they fought, and, and what they were bringing up in the, in the show, they, 1994, the season, you know, died because of the salary cap, and the owners never got their salary cap. This is the strongest union. You know, the other unions are going to be yep. more amenable to doing things. Hockey may be a little different nowadays, but basically they're they're basically uh, cooperative, the other unions. Yeah, baseball does not have a good relationship with the union. Yeah. Go ahead, That Robert. is correct. Yeah, with well, Donald Fear in charge of the NHL, uh, uh, you know, uh, you right. can't rule anything out. And right. one other thing on baseball, Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez are now out of the Mets bidding because uh, apparently uh, 
Chase or whoever they were speaking to basically told them that they couldn't get enough capital together to uh, okay. pursue that. And the Wilpons said they didn't want to negotiate with them anyway. So Okay. okay. So that, let's do this. We will take our time out. We'll come back. We'll go to the, through the deaths and all the Don Shula stuff. So we'll be back in two minutes. Well, we're going to have a song. We're going to have a song when we come out of the break. That's right. I spend a lot of time in the backyard, and I'm the center of attention at summer barbecues. In 96, I made some of the tastiest s'mores. And in 09, it was me, your backyard fire pit, that accidentally started a wildfire when a summer breeze carried one of my embers into some dry brush. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow, right where you live? That it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true. I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow. But shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. This is Mario Andretti. You know me as a race car driver, but I'm also a Meals on Wheels volunteer. I've raced against the sport's biggest personalities, but I've never met more vibrant, amazing people than the seniors served by Meals on Wheels. You can make a difference by dropping off a hot meal and saying a quick hello. So, America, let's do lunch. Volunteer your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the app. to be patient with me I'll slow it down and find some time you'll see to spend with you in these bundles of joy well my wish came true but it wasn't by choice now all this time with them has sure been a blessing just hanging out together 24-7 now it was fun for a week I'll admit it but my cabin fever's about to reach its limit. Going quarantine crazy. I'm talking straight jacket lately. Another day or two might break me. I'm going quarantine crazy. I'm Icky Breaking Line. 
suspects except tonight we've got a new country checking in iceland Ooh. i don't know oh, we've, welcome aboard I mean, iceland. Yay, iceland. speaking yeah. of quarantine crazy <laughs> i don't know if they're quarantine crazy i haven't heard about yeah, it i've got to ask miss a about iceland i haven't heard about those guys yeah, yeah. they're doing no but that, so, that, um we got a few odds and ends once we get back here and any other highlights of the people out there bill no 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 real other highlights chris that's the usual just okay. Well, should we get well why don't we do? Why don't we finish up ESPN? There's ESPN. We need to talk about. We need to say that there's yes, going to be a new do. Monday Night Crew, and uh, we don't know, we don't know who it's going to be. Right? We don't know right, who it is. Right now, we've got we've got the crew. Me, Chris, and Perry. Right. We're going to be in the booth. And, and Robert on the sideline. Sideline side Robert. Sideline Robert. Robert. Yeah, That's there, right. there, there we go. Yeah, we put in and our pro- We also did a poll, Robert. We we checked with the fans. They said you had the nicest legs, so you got to do the sideline report. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. And basically what happened, they have announced Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland are not going to be on the Monday night game. They are still going to be with ESPN doing other stuff, but they decided they're not Monday night football. And remember, let's see who has turned them down so far. Tony Romo. Signed with CBS. Peyton Manning. Uh, Peyton Manning turned him down. Al Michaels said he yeah. didn't want to trade. Yeah. 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 So now that now they, I guess what they've said, the latest I heard is they're going to promote from internally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, which I, could I, be the which could be what they talked about the Fowler Herb Street thing. Well, the thing that may work for them if college football doesn't get off on time they could put throw their college guys in there like you just said and then have them do that and then move right into college in january yeah or you, know? you could, or you could bring or you could bring sean mcdonough back you know that's right well you know? people thought that maybe the nfl didn't like he was a little outspoken for the nfl they were liking mcdonough and gruden mcdonough and gruden were popular yeah, they are with the people. Oh, the people, but with the ownership. He he got the feeling. He said that on on the Red Sox games that he thought he was kind of uh, you know uh, maybe a little too controversial for those guys. That might just be him yeah. feeling that okay. way. That may not be right. true, but that's what he right. thought. Well, with, with Gruden, I think they were happy. But when Gruden left, it's like, oh, okay, we're just going to get rid of him. Yeah. yeah. That was that so, whole thing. But. So the other thing about ESPN, why don't you talk about Michael Jordan and the do- other documentaries coming up, Sean? Uh, yes. Okay, we're going to get you caught up. <coughs> all right. We we didn't get a chance last week because we're running low. But, all right, episodes three and four, basically what says, of course, it's two back-to-back episodes each night, each Sunday night. Three and four, they remember in one and two, they went through him, you know, getting into college and then coming out and then up until the shot in 86. Three and four covered basically him going for the championship, the battle with Detroit, the bad boys, all the way in to when they won the first championship in 91. 
and they covered a lot of Michael trying to get there. What's he going to do? Uh, how's this coming out? And then finally winning in 91, but they also covered Dennis Rodman and his battles with the Bulls and how, you know, he was just, he was just really, you know, tormenting them. And then, uh, then they get into, you know, him eventually coming to the Bulls for those last and championships. And they also talked a lot about Scottie Pippen during three and four about his contract yeah. situation yeah, and all that. Con- yeah, they talked. They talked about his contract not as much as they did in two, but they did yeah. talk about his contract situation. Uh, Horace Grant, how Scottie and Michael did not like Horace Grant. Right. They, you know, Horace, they believed he was like a he was a snitch. So, yeah. and then we get into five and six, which this is where you saw Michael go global with, I mean, he had the Nike contract, of course, but Air Jordans, you know, he was the first one. You saw him go global. Remember the commercial to him and Larry Bird over, over the street, over the freeway, all that right. stuff. Then it covered uh, him and the second championship. And then and they the, get yeah. into. And they covered they the green into, team and all that. They get into the Olympics, and they really get into how, remember, Isaiah Thomas was not on that dream team. And a lot of it goes back to, oh, back to episodes three and four, where, remember, Isaiah Thomas wouldn't shake Michael Jordan's hand after Michael finally beat the Pistons right. and got to the finals. Well, Larry the, Bird, I, I think Larry was on board with that because Larry had a lot of trouble with Isaiah. Well, there, um, yeah, yeah, I'm getting to that. But originally, originally it was all, everybody said, oh, Michael did. But then they, I mean, Magic Johnson the flat said, he goes, hey, he goes, no, there was a bunch of us that didn't want him on there yeah, because Larry right did. around that time, even though him and Magic were friends, he didn't want Magic playing because remember that was about the time Magic was oh, yeah, yeah. with the HIV. But the no, no. Isaiah didn't want Magic playing. That's oh, that's saying. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Isaiah didn't want Magic playing. The uh, in the, the coming. Remember, Magic was coming back in the NBA. Right. right. Isaiah didn't yeah. want him playing, and so as I got, and remember, Magic was also going to be on the dream team. Because uh, this was this was back people when uh, when he was diagnosed with uh, the right. HIV, HIV virus, and, HIV every, virus. Every, everybody and, was all panicked about. And there, you know, there's trash talking during series, but I know at the end of those series with Detroit, eighty seven and eighty eight, Larry and and Isaiah took and, it seriously. Yeah, they, Larry, Bird, Larry Bird didn't like him. Larry no. Bird didn't like him. No. Michael and Scotty didn't like him, and Carl Malone. Carl Malone was like, and they all said, you know what? He's going to break up the chemistry of our team. So yeah. they all were like, and Chuck, I remember Chuck Daly was the head coach of that 92 yeah. team. Mm-hmm. So, yep. and he said, that, and then they also got into the Tony Kukos thing. And, you know, later on, Michael even said, he goes, hey, Kukos, we don't blame him. But it was one of these things at that time, Croatia, Slovenia declared war on the rest of uh, Yugoslavia. They were leaving. Uh, but they had drafted Kukos thinking, hey, he's going to be the next guy. And they were negotiating with him, and they were talking about paying him more than Scottie Pippen. And so what what Jordan and Pippen said, you know what? Hey, we want this guy. We're going to teach him a lesson. We're going to teach him a lesson. So basically they, they shut him down in that game in the first matchup that they had against uh, him. So they, they covered that one. And, you know, Kuko, she even said, he goes, I don't blame them. So when is hey, the, the next uh, episode uh, going to be on? Tonight. As soon as we finish. As soon as we finish tonight. Okay. And then they re-air, they re-air at midnight Eastern. Okay. Uh, 
and then they re-air next Sunday at 7 Eastern. So now, yeah, there's some up, the upcoming one, documentaries, aren't there? So yes. you can. There's I know still got, two more. There's two more weeks of it tonight. Tonight is going to hit, and they get into his gambling a little bit towards the end of this one. But tonight they're going to get into when he left for baseball and when he, you know, the whole, the whole come when he left playing baseball, coming back, all that stuff. They're going to really, they're going to get mm-hmm. into that. Uh, also, they did show last week at the beginning. They showed a little bit of clips from the All Star game when him and Kobe matched up against each other, and Kobe's. Kobe said, well, you could have beat him one-on-one. And he said, no. He goes, he, my five championships are because of what he drove me to do. He said, hey, call me anytime you need something. Because he goes, my five championships are because of what he did. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we get okay. into that. And- so, so we got do- documentaries coming up, I think you said, about Lance Armstrong, uh, uh, Bruce Lee, uh, Sammy yeah, Bruce- Sosa, and Mark McGuire. Yep. And, uh, yes. you know, so those are the ones that they're going to have uh, upcoming, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and the, Lance, and the, Lance Armstrong is a, the Lance Armstrong is a two-parter. Right. Yeah, Lance Armstrong is a two-parter, and Bruce Lee is a one-parter, and then Sosa McGuire, is that a two-parter? That is a, one, that one is a one-parter as well. Yeah. Okay. And that ought to be interesting because, yep. remember, they always they always credit, oh, they were they were, they saved baseball, and then, of course, well, no, and they found they, out that yeah. it was a sham. So there you go. And by, and by the way, check your local listings because if you do want to watch some baseball, ESPN is televising the Korean baseball games. 1 a.m. Eastern. Check your and local I'm, listings. And they, run it. they replay it in the daytime also. And I'm not excited about that, but okay. Yeah. Actually, it's not bad. It's not Okay. I've checked out a little bit. Of it. It's not bad. Okay. Well, we have three deaths that we have information on, and then we have a fourth one that we'll just we at least mention. And maybe we'll get some later, or maybe we won't. But the first get death, I will get out of the way. Then we'll talk about Don Shula, and uh, Bill can be getting ready uh, the little uh, sound bite that he has on that, or document the mini documentary. We'll do Don Shula's oh. last. And then we'll do him we'll after we do this that. first one, and then. Uh, but I'm giving Bill a chance on this this one so you can get ready the uh, the uh, Don Shula stuff. Well, but the first one you. we're going to talk oh. about is another coronavirus death in the world of sports. Not somebody that I had particularly heard of. Jim Cross, 82 years old, was the Vermont hockey coach, University of Vermont. He coached the Catamounts from 65 through 84. He had three regular season ECAC uh, championships. That's the league they, they were in at that time. And three tournament championships for that league. And uh, 280 wins 251 losses and nine ties, and he, as I say, he died of the coronavirus. So that's, uh, I think, our, I think our third uh, sports our figure third, yes. who has died of coronavirus. And uh, the big thing this week, and we'll certainly get into a discussion about this, this guy because he's one of the top six or seven coaches, maybe number two, maybe three of all time. I think we could. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get done with Don Shula. But first, if Bill, if you have it ready, you can play what you have on Don Shula. Okay. Now, understand, Chris, you can go eat your lunch and come back because this is about a 15 to 20-minute segment. <laughs> so understand, it's not. Okay. It, okay. As long as you know that going in and it's ready to go, and it's a okay. great one. Okay. Go ahead, right. go ahead and hit it. As the triumphant Miami Dolphins returned from Super Bowl VII, a throng of thousands gave a winner's welcome to the team, Coach Don Shula, and owner Joe Robert. This is the Vince Lombardi 
Allegiant Stadium was the scene of the opener. Don Shula had set a single goal for the new season to get his team in the Super Bowl and win it. Beating the Chiefs in their new stadium would be the first step. The irony of opening in Kansas City was apparent to all, especially Don Shula. For this was a rematch of 1971's Christmas Day playoff in football's longest game. Garrow Yepremian's field goal in sudden death overtime had beaten the Chiefs and propelled the Dolphins into the Super Bowl. As the Dolphins began the 72 schedule, all the psychological advantages belonged to the favored Chiefs. But Bob Greasy passed to an old target, Paul Warfield. And a new one, Marlon Briscoe, to lead the offense to two touchdowns. Miami's famous no-name defense was superb. Stopping the Chiefs' running game, shutting off their big threat, Otis Taylor, and harassing Len Dawson throughout the game. Miami's dominance was so complete, they held Kansas City without a touchdown until only nine seconds remained. Miami had easily thwarted the revenge-minded Chiefs 20 to 10. The next Sunday in the home opener, Miami raced away from Houston in the rain. All four of Shula's backs, Morris, Zonka, Greasy, and Kick, scored touchdowns as the Dolphins won their second 34-13. Then came the Vikings. From the opening kickoff, it was a bruising battle. On their very first series, Fran Tarkington burned Miami with the bomb and Minnesota led. But the Dolphin defense, led by Nick Bonaconte, number 85, kept Miami in the game by sacking Talkington five times and taking away the long pass by employing a fifth defensive back in Shula's nickel secondary. Garrow Yepremian's long-range field goals of 38, 42, and 51 yards kept his team close, but Miami trailed with less than two minutes left. Then Bob Greasy, in a masterpiece of clutch passing, moved the Dolphins downfield. Miami's great come-from-behind victory was their third straight and left them the only undefeated team in pro football. The season's fourth Sunday was in New York's Shea Stadium, where the Dolphins completely stymied Joe Namath with their 53 defense. Bob Matheson, number 53, dropping back like a linebacker or rushing in like an end, frustrated Namath all day. 
led by Bob Greasy, who enjoyed perfect protection, and Howard Twilley, who reclaimed his regular job from injured Marlon Briscoe, Miami won. Now, after only four games, the Dolphins already had a two-game edge in the AFC East. San Diego was next in the game that the Dolphins lost their leader for most of the season. A record Orange Bowl crowd of 80,000 watched in silence as Bob Greasy sat on the poly turf with a fractured leg. Miami was well prepared, and as Bob Greasy was wheeled off the field on a stretcher, his successor, the last of the crew cuts, 38-year-old Earl Morrill, took his place at the line of scrimmage. With the poise of the old pro that he is, Morrill soon had the Orange Bowl rocking with cheers as he completed 8 of 10 and hit Paul Warfield and Howard Twilley for touchdown passes. name defense got the team into the scoring column as well when safety dick anderson went 35 yards with a charge of fumble miami had won its fifth straight to remain unbeaten but the cost had been high game number six brought buffalo and with greasy on the sidelines the dolphin defense took charge of the game oj simpson was held to 13 yards rushing in the first half and in the second manny fernandez stole a handoff and the ball game as miami squeezed past the bills by a single point Following week in Baltimore, the Dolphins' attack opened up on the Colts. But the specialty teams were the real stars, blocking two kicks and recovering a fumbled punt. The Colts never got within the Miami 28 as the team shut out Baltimore. The season's second half began with Miami still unbeaten. In Buffalo, the ground game rolled over the Bills. The decisive factor was the magic feat of Mercury Morris, who stutter-stepped through the mud in one of his most impressive performances as a pro. had win number eight, 30 to 16. The next Sunday, Morris continued his great play, scoring three touchdowns against New England. The entire offense was awesome as Miami passed their opponents out of the Orange Bowl. The 
52 to nothing pasting of the Patriots made Don Chula the first NFL coach with 100 victories in only 10 years. In game 10, Joe Namath's arm gave the Jets a 10-point lead. Then with New York on the brink of another score, defensive captain Nick Bonaconte turned the tide and the Dolphins surged ahead. The Mercurial Morris was turned loose churning and cutting through the jet defense in a brilliant display of open field running. Miami's 10th and wrapped up the Eastern Division title for the second straight year. On Monday night against St. Louis, Larry Zonka bulled his way for well over 100 yards for the fourth time this season. And a dazzling aerial show demonstrated Dolphin receiving depth. On defense, Miami capitalized on six Cardinal turnovers in a 31-10 romp over St. Louis. Next, in New England, Zonka's 45-yard burst earned him his second straight 1,000-yard season as the Dolphins established a team yardage record, rolling up over 500 against the Pats. The win streak had now reached an even dozen. In Yankee Stadium, a relaxed Alex Webster and his Giants were determined to break the Miami streak. Shula's team was bucking the law of averages and a hostile crowd of 63,000 who would have enjoyed nothing more than to witness a Dolphin defeat in the big town. But Jim Kick, averaging 11 yards each time he got the ball, put on a brutal display of power running. And great catches by Angel Paul Warfield decimated the Giants' secondary as Miami won with room to spare. Dolphins were now only one game away from the NFL's first perfect 14-game season. The regular schedule's finale brought Baltimore and a moral to Warfield collaboration for another sensational touchdown.
Warfield's touchdown and Garo Yopremian's field goals of 35, 40, and 50 yards accounted for all the Miami scoring. It was in this game that the Dolphin ground attack broke a 36-year-old record to become the greatest rushing team in NFL history and the first to have two 1,000-yard runners on the same squad. The no-names were again superb, completely shutting off Marty Dombries and John Unitas for Miami's third consecutive shutout over Baltimore. But most important, the 16-0 win was Miami's 14th straight and gave the team an achievement unequaled in the history of the NFL. A perfect 14-game season. Shula and assistants Arnsbarger, Clark, Keen, Scary, and Tassif coached a team that ranked number one in offense and defense in the NFL. Their perfect season was even more impressive because they accomplished it without their regular quarterback. However, Earl Morrow succeeded Greasy as leading passer in the conference and was named All-Pro. As good as Morrow was, no one can completely replace a Bob Greasy, whose strong arm and quick feet run enemy defenses ragged. Dolphins' rushing record was nothing less than a personal tribute to Miami's fine offensive line of Jim Langer, Norm Evans, Doug Crusan, Wayne Moore, and Bob Kuchenberg. Their leader was all-pro Larry Little, number 66, a human side, famous for cutting down cornerbacks. For the second straight season, Little was voted best offensive lineman in the American Conference. Shula's concept of a three-back offense brought a new dimension to the Miami attack. With Zonka's power, Kick's clutch, and the specter of Mercury's speed, they were the most prolific infantry in the annals of the pro game. They were also teammates in the truest sense, making the key block and cheering the others from the sideline. Playoff with Cleveland, the Miami specialty team blocked a punt for a touchdown, and the Dolphins took an early lead. But the Browns came back to go ahead with slightly over eight minutes left to play. Here, Miami showed why it was unbeaten. Morrill and Paul Warfield combined to deliver the death knell. And a determined gym kick behind devastating blocking finished the 80-yard clutch drive in the Cleveland end zone. 
The Dolphins, in a pressure-packed performance, had come from behind to win. And Miami's inexorable march through the season continued. Next was Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game, among the sign-carrying zealots in bedsheet-bedecked Three River Stadium. On their very first series, the Steelers scored and took the lead. Time after time, Pittsburgh's steel curtain defense stopped Miami. Then on a fourth and five situation came the most important play of the game and perhaps the entire season for the Dolphins. Steelers seemingly running interference for him, punter Larry Seiple's risky fourth down gamble succeeded, and Miami was on its way. To take advantage of Seiple's great effort, the coach of the year made a difficult decision. To get the offense untracked, Shula replaced Earl Morrill with Bob Greasy. The results were not long in coming. On his first pass of the playoffs, the gifted Greasy split the Steeler defense with a pass that Paul Warfield took for 52 yards. Several plays later, Greasy pitched to Jim Kick, the money performer without peer, who scored the go-ahead touchdown. It was one of four that Kick would score in the three postseason games. had its 16th straight and repeated as conference champions. For them, it was on to the Super Bowl. For Crestfall and Steeler Rooters, the banners came down for good. The Dolphins had ended their great season. For the Miami Dolphins, the Super Bowl was an entire season in one game. They were not about to lose it. Bob Greasy hit on six of six passes in the first half and threw to Howard Twilley for the game's first score. The rest of the Super Bowl served as a showcase for the Dolphins' variety of talents. Dolphin defense was the real story of this game, stopping Larry Brown Cole. 
Jake Scott was named most valuable player for his two interceptions. And Manny Fernandez had the kind of a day a defensive lineman dreams about, as the no-name defense completely controlled the game. playing an almost perfect football game in a perfect season, the Miami Dolphins were world champions. seven years since Joe Robbie was granted a franchise in the old AFL, Miami not only won the Super Bowl, but had gone an entire season undefeated. A feat no other NFL team in history has accomplished. It is unlikely ever to happen again. Told you. Wow, that was good. That, that was outstanding. The great John, John Facenda. Facenda. Yes. John Facenda. You're, and, of course, a couple of things to mention in that. I didn't remember that Greasy came back at the end of that season. That's something. The other thing, too, they had a rotation system for the, the way they hosted the playoffs. Pittsburgh did not have a better record than the Dolphins. The Dolphins did have, obviously, the Steelers you know, were not undefeated, nope. <clears throat> but they got the home game. And uh, that was New Year's Eve day. And, uh that, uh, that fake punt turned it around, but that was a good learning experience for those Steelers because, of course, they went on a couple years later to start winning their Super Bowl. So, as a matter of fact, Chris, uh, remember the week before that, the Raiders and Steelers played in what is now known as the Immaculate Reception That's game. Right. Had, the, had the Raiders won, the game would have been in Oakland. That's right. Right. So well, there you, you go. Know, but, you know what? Yeah. You know what? Though while we're at it, we probably better talk to. Uh, Jamal here. He's had his hand up now for about uh, 15 minutes. So, Jamal, I'm sure you're greatly tired, but go ahead. Well, I must say that was a very nice documentary clip of Shula. That was very interesting to listen mm-hmm. to. So, so Jamal, hey. it was worth it was worth having your hand up for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And plus, it allowed me to uh, get some out of my refrigerator downstairs. All right. Yeah, but there you that, go. But yeah. with all that being said, you were talking about. Uh, baseball, Perry, and our, the comments of our illustrious Governor Daddy Warbucks, I mean, J.B. Pritzker. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but, but, and, and Pritzker changed his mind again. Last week he says in one of his uh, press conferences that he's had a lot of conversations with sports leagues. He says it'll be up to the league to determine how they're going to go. But he made it seem like that if baseball wanted to play in Chicago with no fans, he made it sound like he'd probably allow it. So, Well, I don't see why he complained about no fans. I mean, the idea is if the leagues are saying, but the, the question is the mayor of Chicago, your mayor in Chicago is saying that, uh, you know, there would be fans and he's saying there wouldn't be fans. That's the yeah. problem. Well, we got. well my, guess is, my guess is if baseball came back in July and there's no fans, there'll probably be no fans at either Wrigley or uh, – that's a question we don't know about any of this. Now, we know if they want to play at different sites like the NBA talking about Orlando and, and uh, Vegas. But if you're going to have, you know, if you if you can have fans in some places, will you have fans? You know, that's the well, question. I we think, don't know. I that. think what they're going to want to do, Chris, if they're going to start, they're going to want to start with a universal policy and then yeah. they'll adjust it as they go. And yeah. I also want to respond about the NBA. I think and I've said this for weeks, I'll continue to say it. If the NBA wants to continue the season, 
just go straight into the playoffs and play with the standings as they were when they canceled the season. Or Spoken like a true Bulls fan. Because, <laughs> because really, really, I mean, you'll have eight, te- eight teams in each conference. The, the, ones that, the ones that were there when they suspended the season, just put, go in the playoffs with yeah. those teams. As it happens, finishing you're the right. Season. As it happens, you're right. Because when we went over those standings a few weeks ago, long ago when this first started, I read, read everybody the standings, mm-hmm. there's four or five game difference between eight and nine in each conference. So it's not yeah. unreasonable. The NHL, is, it makes sense to maybe do 12 because you had a mad scramble for a lot of spots in the NHL. The NBA was not like that. And plus, if it was under the NHL formula, wouldn't the Blackhawks get in? Um, well, I believe I believe with what I saw, they would. From what yeah. from what I'm hearing, they're talking about doing a 2014 NCAA type tournament. Right, that's so, what we're talking about, yeah. and that makes yeah. more sense because that whole West was all mashed up, and the, you know, there yeah. were a lot of uh, right. still contests not, not settled in the East either. So, it makes more sense for the NHL to do yeah. that than the NBA. It would wouldn't be the worst thing to just do the 16 teams in the NBA and just start. Right, if you wanted to. Yeah. Well, okay. before we finish off the desk, we do have Jerry. Jerry, go ahead. Oh, man, that documentary about Don Shule was great. It brought back a lot of memories. I remember, oh, that Christmas Day. I'll bet bet when they beat the Steelers, that wasn't a fond memory, was it, Jerry? I I wasn't living here then. Uh, Actually, I gambled. I picked the Steelers and lost, of course. Uh, But that wasn't wasn't a fond memory. But I was thinking, hey, after that game was over, I said, let's go on Dolphins and win the Super Bowl. My brother picked the Dolphins and I picked the Steelers. And uh, I had to give him uh, $5. We we each put down $250 on the game. Yeah. Okay. By, by the way, Chris, your team is the only team since then that attempted an undefeated season. They yep. wound up eighteen and one. Do That's you, right. since you're the historian here, do you think we'll ever see an NFL team do what Don, Don Shula's yeah. team did here? Yeah. I mean, the Patriots same came so close. Why not? I, I, you know, there's going to be a team that's going to be uh, good offensively, good defense, good special teams, good coaching. And you know, he did it with a backup quarterback. Now, Morrill was the best. If if you had to that year pick. All right, if somebody's going to lose their quarterback, who's the best qualified uh, backup to come in and replace that guy? It would have been Morrill. He had done a lot. He started for the Giants in 65. He had played plenty with the Lions. He had played plenty with the Browns. So he wasn't – he was a veteran. He'd been around 10 years. So he wasn't just some guy, you know. The, wasn't he with the, the Colts, too? Yeah, he was. Yeah. The Colts, yeah. Browns, and yeah. Lions, and the yeah. Pages, and the Giants. So, yeah, yeah he'd been around. And uh, so it wasn't just somebody. And so that meant Shula knew him, too, from, right. from his days with the Colts. So, yeah, that's right. right. So maybe we can get to the Don Shula statistics, and then we can talk about them a little bit in okay. a combination with the other coaches that uh, sort of put in the pantheon here. we got seven or eight guys here. Don Shula was 90 years old. He uh, played the defensive back for the Cleveland Browns in 51 and 52. Uh, so, therefore, he played for Paul Brown that we're going to mention in a minute. Uh, he played for the Colts, uh, 53 through 56, then in Washington in 57. <clears throat> he had 21 interceptions and four fumble recoveries, no touchdowns. Then he was the defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions from 60 through 62, head coach of the Colts from 63 through 69, then Miami. And, of course, this is Joe Robbie's big move. He stole them from the Colts. I mean, the Colts didn't get rid of him. He was doing fine with the Colts. So they, they, he got he got him after more money or did something. I don't know how that exactly worked. I don't remember. But he went to Miami from 70 through 95. So we talk about Belichick being – here for over 20 years. Uh, that's a, that's a long reign. Of course, we had George Hallis, who was an owner, 
who, that's uh, 25 years, so yeah. That's 26 years. 20, and, okay. uh, it, and the, the other thing, too, is that, uh, you know, Hallis was an owner. So this is like yeah. a non-owner coach. So Belichick's getting into that territory, but he's not there yet. He had the two uh, Super Bowl rings. He won that one against the Redskins in 73, 72-73. Man beat the Vikings in 73-74. And he won NFL championship in 68, but that was the year that he lost to the Jets. Uh, and Weeb Eubank, who uh, had been coaching the Colts uh, before him. Uh, and then he had four AP Coach of the Year in 64, 67, 68, and naturally 72. He had uh, his, uh, let's see, his total victories. Uh, I'm going to find the total with the playoffs. 347, 173, and six ties. Yeah. And But he's only 19 and 17 in the playoffs. That's what we're going to get into in and a he, minute. He was second in coaching with one team behind Landry because Landry was 60 to 89. That's okay. right. There you go. So the, that so Belichick's probably third of again of a non-owner because Hallis, you know, that's sort of a different yeah. story when you're the owner. Hall of Fame in '97 took him an extra year or so to get in there. I don't know what happened, but uh, 90, well, no, I'm sorry, '97 after coaching in '95. That's pretty quick, actually. I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Dave and Mike Shula both played in the NFL. His two sons, they both uh, coached in college and the pros. And uh, and let's see, it was not a corona death. Uh, as far as we know, it was just a natural causes death of uh, him. Yeah, it, yes, years yes it was. It was yeah, natural right. cause. He uh, apparently was a real crusader uh, called uh, our uh, beloved coach up here, Bill Belichick. Uh, yep. He uh, thought that Belichick had, uh, you know, done too much. I mean, uh, whatever we can, it's not, we're not talking about him, but uh, he made, made a big thing out of the things that Belichick did. So if you look at the uh, all-time coaches, you've got Lombardi, Belichick, Shula, Chuck Knoll, Tom Landry, uh, Bill Walsh, and Paul Brown, I would say, of the Pantheon. And, and the thing is, and, and par- well, Parcells, yeah, I guess. He didn't, he's a little short-lived compared to these guys. You know, he didn't have as many yeah. seasons as those guys did, I think, when you, and, uh, and Lombardi's was shortened by death, so you kind of have to, you know, give him a pass on that because he right. would have gone to Washington and done many, many wonderful things, I'm sure. But, Okay, so you got you got a situation. You look at the quarterbacks, and again, we get back to Belichick and Brady. What's going to happen? Can Belichick do it without Brady? Can Brady do it without Belichick? Can they both do it? You know, what's going to happen down the road? And Belichick's uh, story is not written. But you have to look at Shula and say, okay, after the Super Bowl in uh, appearance in 85, I don't even know. Maybe they won more one more playoff game. They made the playoffs a fair amount of time, but they were 19 and 17 in the playoffs, and he had Dan Marino. So, you know, it's not like he had a clunky quarterback at that point. So yeah, why? And, and he, he had good receivers, but he I did. don't know. I don't know about the rest of the team. Duper. Yep, that's right. So, yeah. you know, it's it's like the end of his career. Maybe he stayed too long at the fair, as they say. But we'll see that about, the, you know, we'll see what, what happens with Belichick, too. But, you yeah. know, those, those are the pantheon. And you can maybe throw Parcells in, but he had a short uh, tenure. But he did. You're right about Parcells. He did certainly bring uh, the Patriots to the Super Super Bowl brought the Jets to the championship, won those two Super Bowls. So you know he had a pretty good career. Giants, he, he, yep. And the yeah, the Giants, the Giants won the two Super Bowls with the Giants. Brought the Jets to the Super Bowl and brought the Patriots. To the, I mean, to the championship game uh, out of the blue and brought the uh, Patriots to the Super Bowl. But you know he he would be the eighth guy, I think. But those seven, you yep. know, Belichick, Lombardi, Shula, Noel, Landry, Walsh, and Brown would be probably your your real pantheon. 
And the uh, only one that has a legitimate shot of breaking Don Shula's record is Belichick. Right. So. He is 43 wins away. Uh, I think he's over at 304. And this is combined uh, regular season and, and um, you know, playoff. So right. he, he does have a chance to do that. So then we have a death of somebody who I'd not heard of. Maybe a Cub fan had, or I don't know, back in the day. Salty Saltwell, 96 years old. Eldred Salty Saltwell for That would have been way before my time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, I, I guess if I had been a Cub fan back then, I would have known this guy. But I that, That's, what, that's why Pierre reported it, uh, Perry, because he knew you wouldn't know. Well, way back in the day, yeah. in the late 40s, he was the GM of the Des Moines uh, farm team and the L.A. farm team uh, that was a Cub uh, farm team and in the late 40s through 58. And then he was the business manager of the Cubs in 58 through 71, and then the VP in 72, and then he became GM at the end of 75 and until 11:24 of 76. They got rid of him right around Thanksgiving. That's not very nice. Um, he was a good buddy of, uh, of Phil Wrigley, so this was a lot of what happened uh, yeah. while he was around. Secretary for Ballpark Operations from 76 through 84, and a VP again, 84, uh, let's see, and then VP and Special Assistant, uh, and let's see, and and for business, 84 through 86. And he uh, he was he he sort of had his problems with some of the players. Uh, he had uh, trouble with uh, Steve Stone, who was about to become a free agent. And he said, oh, we really can't even talk about that. Uh, uh, Mr. Wrigley's having a divorce. So Steve Stone's like, okay, I'm out of here. I'm <laughs> going to go. Uh, he traded um, – Don Kessinger, one of the uh, you know spark plugs of the of the team, to St. Louis for uh, Mike Garman. I remember him. He was a Red Sox pitcher. wasn't very good anywhere. Uh, Andy Messerschmidt. Well, we we're just talking about McNally and Messerschmidt had just become the first three free agents. Traded Andre Thornton, who was a good player, to Montreal, and of course went on to Cleveland. So he was kind yeah. of the uh, it was sort of the answer to uh, I think uh, what what Jamal would say the answer to Ken Harrelson as a GM. It That's didn't correct, go well. Yeah. It was he was over his head. And the final death we have, and we have no information about this guy, is Ray Lee Wood, 92 years old. He was one of the Wood Brothers, and Wood Brothers Racing was a big uh, racing um, team back in the day. So yeah. uh, that's all we know about him. But speaking of racing, we have Kentucky Derby winners for you. We got interrupted last week because Steve Nomer was doing his show, and that's fine. But what we have is the Kentucky Derby winners from May 2nd through May 7th. We did May 1st. May 2nd through May 7th. And then we'll do this day in history. But we figured we'd do the Derby winners together. And uh, there'll be some familiar names, some not, I'm sure. Um, you know, some you, you've heard of. But May 2nd in 53, it was Dark Star. 59, it was Tommy Lee. And that, I think, was the first photo I ever saw. I think we had to wait about 20 minutes for that one to, to come through. Uh, I remember that. 64, Northern Dancer. I think he was from Canada, if I recall. That's why he was Northern Dancer. Uh, then we had, in 70, we had Dust Commander. 81, Pleasant Colony. 87, Ali Sheba. You might remember that name. Just some of these names you just remember. You don't remember so much the horse, but 92, Lil E.T. <laughs> 98, Real Quiet. I remember that name. Yep. Uh, let's see, 04 was Smarty Jones, who went on, and I think he went and won the Preakness and had a chance at the Triple Crown. Didn't make it. Yeah, he had a chance, yeah. Okay. 09 was Mine That Bird. Never understood that name at all. And 15, American Pharaoh, who, of course, did go on to win the uh, Triple Crown. And Mine That Bird, Calvin Burrell, as I mentioned last week, that was the one where he won. He won that. He won. He wrote him. But then Calvin Burrell switched 
to another horse and won the Triple Crown with the other horse with the other two races. Oh, the other, okay. Okay, May 3rd, 47, Jet Pilot won it. 52, Hill Gale. 58, Tim Tam. I remember him. That was my first derby that I really remember. 69, Majestic Prince. Uh, 75 was uh, Foolish Pleasure. 80, Genuine Risk. I think that was a Philly. Philly. Yeah, yeah. Philly. Philly. Yeah. First Philly to win, I think. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, uh, the one in 1950, I think, was a Philly who won as oh, well, okay. if I recall. Um, we may come to her at some point. Uh, 86, Ferdinand. 97, Silver Charm. I think that was one who won a couple of the races. I think went for the Triple Crown, if I recall. That's, yeah, that's yeah. correct. Oh, oh, 03, Funny Side. Oh, 08, Big Brown, the UPS horse. Remember that? <laughs> yep. And 14 was California Chrome. Yep. Oh, oh, 04 and 46, Assault. Now, if you listen to the old uh, Spike Jones thing where he does the uh, the race, they talk about assault and battery coming down the stretch. Well, that was where they got the name assault. There was no horse battery, but that's one of those, that beetle bomb thing that uh, Spike Jones does, kind of a funny thing uh, right. for a, a fake race horse, uh, a horse race, I should say. So that was assault yeah. in 46. 57 was Iron Liege, L-I-E-G-E, like a lord, Liege. 63, Chateau Gay. 68, Forward Pass. Now, Forward Pass got the race because... Dancer's Image uh, was disqualified for using butazolidin. That was happened a couple of days after the race. So Dancer's Image came across the line first, but Forward Pass was awarded the race for that. Um, in uh, 74, Colonnade, 85, Spend a Buck. 90, uh, 91 was Strike for Gold. 96, Grindstone. 02, War Emblem. 13 was... Uh, Orb, I think it is, and 19 yes. Country House, and we already talked about that about ma uh, maximum security and country ha country house. That's right. Yeah, that so, was the delay. Yep, 45 minutes delay. delay. Yep. Okay. Okay. Then we move on to the 5th of May in 51. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> yes, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, 51 Count Turf. 56 Needles. 62 we had decidedly. 73, Secretariat, and of course, uh, he went on to win the Triple Crown, and he set a record. We've got that in the uh, This Day in History, because we've got the time on that in the This Day in History segment. 159.4 seconds. Right, that's right. Okay. Um, we have 79 for Spectacular Bid, 84 for Swale, 90 for Unbridled. I bet he was bridled. Usually horses are, but it's said. <laughs> yeah. 01, uh, let's see, Monarchist. Uh, 07 is Street Sense. And 12 is, I'll have another. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 18 was Justify. On May 6th, we have in 50, Middle Ground. Well, I might be wrong about that. Maybe that wasn't the I, I think there is another Philly back in the in the day. But I don't okay. think that doesn't sound right. So it probably wasn't 1950. But anyway, Middle Ground in 1950. 61 was Carry Back. 67 was Proud Clarion. 72 was uh, Reba Ridge. 78 was Affirmed, and of course he won the Triple Crown. That was the great battle between Affirmed and, um, oh, Al Alidar. Al Alidar, correct, yep, Alidar and Affirmed. Um, uh, let's see, 89 was Sunday Silence, remember that name? 95 was Thunder Gulch. 2000, uh, Fusachi Pegasus, remember him? Nobody could pronounce his name. And Barbaro won in 06, and of course we remember that he had to be uh, put down. Now, was, was that a, a Philly or a, a mayor? No, or he was, a, he was uh, not a he was not a, a Philly. A cult, he was not yeah. a Philly. But he had to be put down uh, during at the, after the Preakness. I remember that though. Yep. Yes. And seventeen, always dreaming. 
And 07, I mean, on May 7th, 49, we have Ponder, 55, Swap, 60, Venetian Way, 66, uh, Koei King, 77 was Seattle Flu, another Triple Crown winner. That, yep. The Three first one from, winners cit- the same decade. from Citation, yeah, two years in a row, and we hadn't had one, uh, 48, then 73, 77, 78. And then yep, we didn't get three, one until three 15. in the 70s. That was yep, three, and, and then yeah. did none until oh, until 15. Right. 83 uh, Sunny's uh, Halo. 88 Winning Colors. 94 uh, Go for Gin. Oh, that's another one. I'll have another. 05 <laughs> is uh, Giacomo. 11 is Animal Kingdom. Thanks for Perry for getting that. Miss A wouldn't tell me about that one. It's a secret. And 16 is uh, Nyquist. That sounds like a sleeping aid or something. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. so there you go. Those are our Derby winners for for, um, for since World War II. Just thought people would, you know, happier days when we had the Derby when it was supposed to be and that kind of thing, you know? Yep. So we have yep. the, this day in history. So Sean and I could start doing that. Uh, May 4th, we start with 1869, the Cincinnati Red Stockings. Uh, beat the Chicago, uh, what is it? They were the Golden Great Western Great, Ball Club, ball ball club or something. Probably from the railroad. I'm thinking it's probably for a railroad team. Beat them 45 to nine. nine. Yeah, that's right. And uh, let's see, in '63, the Milwaukee pitcher Bob Shaw had five box in a game and three in the third inning. So he, he was having trouble holding base. Holy runners cow! On. Was Bob yeah. was uh, Bob Davidson the home plate umpire? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> They don't okay. call we were, as we as we were as we well remember, he was known as Bacaday. Yeah. 67-68 <laughs> uh, ABA champions were the Pittsburgh um, Pipers beat the New Orleans Buccaneers. And I don't know if the Pipers became the Condors or they went out of business or how that all worked. But uh, either yeah, way, I don't know what it is. We're not sure. Well, didn't know. Dr. J start in Pittsburgh? No, he started in Virginia. Oh, got Virginia. Yeah, that's okay. right. And then he went right. to uh, New Jersey, of course, to, okay. or New York, right. and then uh, New York Nets. And that and was later. That was later. Okay. That was later. Right. But four games to three, uh, New Orleans, uh, Pittsburgh beat New Orleans, and uh, and that was the first ABA championship. In 16, uh, uh, oh, 16 derbies on that day, and, you know, we we run those a lot of those down. On, right. on the fifth, you know, uh, you know the, uh, what is it? The first ever per- perfect game by Cy Young in uh, in 1904. Oh, and we don't even know what team Cy Young for some reason moved around. He was with the Red Sox, but he was with other teams too. I don't know. Yeah, how I didn't say what team, but it was he was it was his first perfect. Right, but what I'm saying is, game. how can you have a pitcher who wins 511 games and moves from team to team? I don't get it. And there was only t- and there's only 23 perfect games in the history of Major League Baseball. Right, but no hitters as we know. We're pretty much almost every day we find yeah. a no hitter. Almost seems like it. Right. In uh, 25, Ty Cobb had six, went six for six, three home runs, two doubles, and a sing, and uh, two sing, whatever. Uh, he had 16 total bases, whatever he did to yeah. get his uh, and yeah. three home runs. So, what would that be? Uh, a double and two singles, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. In 69, uh, Kareem signed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, aka Lou Alcindor, that day signed. That's the name he signed that day, Lou Alcindor, to his contract uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh-huh. that was the balloon game. The Celtics beat the Lakers 
uh, in the seventh game, and that was the, the it said when the uh, Lakers win the championship, the USC marching band will do thus and such, and the balloons will be released. Not if, but when. That that was uh, bulletin board <laughs> was, material for the Celtics, and they went yep, on. And, and that, that was also Bill Russell's last game as player. That is correct. Last yep. game as, as uh, coach uh, until he coach came player. back and player Fair and coach, player. Yep. I mean, yep. and coach for a long a while until he came back with Seattle. But uh, yeah, then then uh, that was their eleventh of thirteen championship with uh, mm-hmm. Bill Russell and the Celtics. And uh, let's see, uh, let's see, and that, and that was a, a Monday night prime time nine o'clock game. Uh, the NBA was starting to get a little notice in th- those years, as we, we'll be talking about later. Mm-hmm. And let's see what else we have. And in '73, Secretary at one point fifty nine four, as uh, Sean told us. So, uh, of course, he didn't run away with it like he did in the Belmont, but he he certainly set the record. And I think that's still the record, isn't it? Yes, that is. It is. Uh, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, May 6th in uh, in 2003, uh, no, 1903, uh, Chicago beat Detroit. This is the White Sox and Tigers, and this is a uh, a gem. Ten to nine, they won. There were uh, 12 errors for the White Sox, and uh, I think and six for the Tigers. So there were 18 errors. Yeah, it was the largest single. It was the largest uh, error, error, most errors by a single team with 12, and most errors in a game with two teams with 18. Right. And they probably is, nowadays that, would have, the way that, the way the official scoring is done now, they would fire that guy because you can't call an error on anybody anymore. I don't that's care what right, happens. Yeah. You can't yep. do it because it makes everybody upset. The pitcher, you know, the pitchers are up. The hitters are happy. But anyway, uh, yep. let's see. What else we got? In 15, we had uh, Babe Ruth pitched uh, his first game for the Red Sox. He pitched uh, 12 and a third innings. He lost, uh, but he hit his first home run, too. In 82, Gaylord Perry got his 300th win. And uh, his eighth team, uh, again, Cy Young and Gaylord moved around, got a lot of wins. Seattle Mariners. Seattle Seattle Mariners at that time. Yep. 98, Kerry Wood got his 20 strikeouts game against Houston. I and remember that, watching that on WGN. And a lot of pe- and a lot of people would tell you that they they thought Kerry Wood should have had a uh, no hitter, but um, yes. a oh, lot scoring of, decision, huh? But you know, yeah. but you know what? Kerry Wood himself said, "No, that was a hit." The thought was, the thought was that Kevin. That game, I, watched, I do too. The, I the thought process, WGN, yeah. the thought yeah. process was that Kevin Ory should have had an error. Instead of a hit, but Kerry Wood said nope. It was it was an actual hit, so they called it right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Then on May seventh in uh, the in two thousand in in the ah, yeah in two, uh, 1903. I keep doing that. Every I used to say nineteen for everything. Now I say two thousand for everything. That's because the <laughs> yeah. century's moved on a while. Okay. The first game between uh, of a uh, an ancient rivalry between the Boston Pilgrims and the New York Highlanders. Well, they're the Red Sox and Yankees now. And uh, so that they certainly have played many games since then. I think they were just about even in games uh, over the years, if I if I remember right. Very close. I heard that when the uh, Joe Castiglione, uh, Susan Waldman, and John Sterling did their broadcast. I think they said they were pretty much even. Yes. Uh, in '69, the second ABA championship was awarded as the Oakland Oaks with, with Rick Barry, if I recall, beat the Indiana yeah. Pacers four games that to is, two. That is correct. Yeah, Rick yeah. Barry was on that team. Okay, and then 77, Seattle flew won uh, his race, uh, as we, we talked about, before, you know, that time. And uh, the Lakers beat the Knicks in, uh, and that was a Sunday night primetime game, four games to one. That was the first 
championship for the L.A. Lakers, the first championship for a Laker team since 1954. And I guess your guys uh, didn't have that on the radio, but I'm surprised. That was a 72. That was a 72, 72. correct. That that was the year the Lakers did the 33-game winning streak. That's right. And uh, Bill Sharman Sharman was their coach. Yep. And uh, so that takes care of the seventh. And then on the eighth, in 1929, we had Carl Hubble, had a no-hitter, and he was the first lefty to do that in uh, 13 years, and then at least in the National League, maybe in baseball. I'm not sure about that. In baseball. Okay. 68, Catfish uh, had his first uh, perfect uh, – had a perfect game. Yep. Uh, in the first one first in the American one League, I guess, in 46 years. years. Yeah, yep. and beat Minnesota. Did you uh, – you you probably didn't uh, pick that one up, uh, Robert. That was probably too uh, early. No, I, I, no I've, never, I've never seen that. Of course, they didn't uh, – from no. what I've been told, they've probably never on the they, radio and not they on never, TV. They, that ne- day they anyway. never, they never filmed that. So no, it's uh, probably not on TV because yeah, usually well, if you were home, you didn't get games. And 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 if you're a team like Minnesota, you know you were on a regular UHF channel, so you wouldn't necessarily be on TV until yeah, and, the, you know, and the game was the game was at the Coliseum. So okay, yeah. And then we have in '70 the Willis Reed game where the Knicks beat the Lakers and uh, blew them out. But we call it the Willis-Reed game. We talk about other games. You know, there's the catch. There's the shot heard around the world. Various games that are mentioned in sports. And this is known as the Willis-Reed game because he'd been out for a couple of games. He got hurt earlier in the series. But he inspired everybody. And you know, when you see, even in other sports, you'll say, like, this is a Willis-Reed moment when somebody comes back that you don't expect or whatever because nobody knew if he was going to play. That's uh, kind of like the, the Kirk Gibson situation. Yes, for the, same yeah. kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they blew him out. I listened to that game. It was on uh, primetime, a 7.30 game. <clears throat> and, of course, that was a very turbulent week. Uh, the, we, we had had the invasion of Cambodia by the United, you know, in, uh, in uh, the end of April. And then the Kent State shooting in, on May 4th on the Monday, same days of the week as we're having uh, this year. And then uh, May 8th, Nixon was going to make a speech at 10 o'clock. They played the game at 7.30, and then the speech came on. Uh-huh. Big march in Washington the next day. So it was uh, quite a – and that's when uh, colleges were disrupted. I my, I didn't have to finish my year, you know, kind of like this year in a different, totally different way. But uh, yeah. all of a sudden I heard I was on vacation on Tuesday. You know, it was, it was very, very strange. So uh, a lot going on at that time. And then uh, – Let's see. And I listened to Marv Albert and WHN because I was able to get that. So I was happy about that. There is one thing I found on the ninth that I thought of, and I'm pretty sure it was that day. And it's Jim Gentile hit two grand slams for the Orioles that day, if I remember correctly. I was thinking about it because we had nothing for that day. We have stuff for the tenth that I already knew about. But Jim Gentile hit two grand slams. That's not the. There's two other guys that I can think of that hit two grand slams in a game. Nomar did it on his birthday in the early 2000s. I know that Nomar Garcia Para, and also Tony Cloninger, a pitcher for the Braves, did it in 1965. So if we're still doing moments in history in like July, we'll run across that, and hopefully we'll have sports to talk about by then. Right. And on May 10th, a lot of stuff happened. In 1970, the Bruins beat the Blues four games to none with the Bobby overtime Orr. goal. Yeah, the Sanderson, you know, Orr to Sanderson, back door, he scores. And today, <clears throat> what happened was, I got to hear it with Fred Cusick calling it because it turned out that the hockey writer, uh, Kevin Paul DuPont, taped it when he was a kid. 
and he gave that tape to the sports ups. They were able to play the last 10 minutes and, and that overtime of the game. He had taped the whole game from BZ. So it was Fred Cusick and Johnny Pearson. BZ didn't save it. Unbelievable. It's one of the greatest sports moments. So we always hear Dan Kelly, which is fine, a great call, but you always want to hear the local calls on those things. And, and we did with Fred Cusick and Johnny Pearson. So that was really cool today. Got got to hear that. And then um, that was the first Stanley Cup since uh, 1941 for the Bruins. In 73, the Knicks beat the Lakers uh, and won their championship uh, four games to two in Los Angeles. That's the last championship, of course, for the for the Knicks. Uh, you know, since 73, they've been uh, had their moments, but they've uh, been nowhere near a championship. That's well, they they got to the finals. I'm sorry, in they went they went a 94 and loss and 99 a loss. So, yeah. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's right. And then uh, and that was the last game. Uh, I'm not sure if they were actually on primetime that night. I don't think they were. But that was when NBC and ABC ended their, their coverage of the NBA. It started 72-73 with CBS, by the way. And then in 09, a game that Bruins fans remember, the too many men on the ice penalty were against Montreal. The Bruins lost to Montreal. This was the semifinals in seven games, four games to three. They had a 3-1 lead in the game. It, uh, that they, was in 79, wasn't it, Chris? 79. That's, uh, you that's said 09. I, said. Yeah. I, I, I thought I said 79. But anyway, if I didn't, I should have. In 79, and it was May 10th. So one of the highlights of the Bruins in 70 and one of the lowlights in 79. That was the last game uh, Don Cherry coached for the Bruins. And, uh, you know, they, they were never as good again for, like, almost 10 years. But... Uh, that was a tough one uh, to take. But uh, anyway, so that's the history that I have. And also Dallas Braden threw his perfect game in 2010 on this day. Okay. Uh, matter of fact, I got to watch that today. I, I oh, didn't get, yeah, that's I, right. I, I, I didn't get to see it live when it happened because I was still living in Canada then. But today the MLB Network played it, and I was actually got, I actually got to see it. So Good. Okay. Yeah. All, All right. right. So, well, I think John, that's go, it, Sean, so why don't you wrap it up? All right. Well, we want to thank all of you for listening. Hey, and we and yeah, you know, staying with us. Hey, we made up this week for what we got cut short right. last week. More than made up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. Thank you, Don Shula. But it was a great tribute. The great. I mean, the legend, the legendary original voice of NFL film. That's yep. correct, John Facinda. So yeah. But anyway, if you want to email us any of your comments, Sports Lounge at AllThingsRadio.net. Or leave a voicemail. Is that at legend.net? Or leg- no, that, no, it's allthingsradio.net. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sports Lounge? Okay. Yes, it is. Sports Lounge at allthingsradio.net. Okay. And, yeah. And uh, leave us a voicemail, 800-693-0595, option two. If you want to download the podcast anytime, go to legendoldies.com. Or in your podcatcher, type in Sports Lounge Live, three words. Type in all things radio, three words. Wednesday coffee, two words. That'll bring all these podcasts to you. Also, you can listen on the phone, 773-572-3006. Sports Lounge option nine. All things radio option eight. Coffee Club seven. Uh, Twin Spin Tuesday option six. Country Gold option five. And we have uh, Country Gospel option four. Who knows? Something coming soon. Maybe some old things or some old time radio. Seven option three, Indiana School for the Blind podcast, alumni podcast option two, Indiana School for the Blind alumni news option one. So check yeah. all those out. And remember and to be anyway, tuned in Friday be morning if you can. To Friday morning, yes. Yeah. May fifteenth, nine a.m. Eastern. Eastern. 
Sixty AM Pacific. Check it out. Big announcements, big things happening. It's a worldwide legend. And no, Bill Sparks is not selling it to Disney unlike other people. No, not anywhere. Anywhere. No. He's hanging on. And, to it. and also, if you have a device, just tell your device to play whatever podcast you want. Also, yes, yes, please tell it to play whatever podcast you want. But hey, we will see you next week and. We'll see what rumors we hear about which yeah, we're, sports uh, we're, coming back. We'll we're all, all rumors all the time here on this show. <laughs> yeah. See ya.